Welcome to Preston's Super Show. News, sports, and a whole lot more. It's the Super Show, baby. Warning. This show contains material that is only suited for patriotic audiences and people who have a backbone. If you like God, guns, and glory, you're listening to the right show. Sit back or carry on and enjoy Preston's Super Show. No, Black Lotus. Don't leave us, Black Lotus. We just got to know you. Black Lotus, no. That's how I felt after watching that last episode of Blade Runner Black Lotus. Wow. That episode was nuts. The entire episode was nuts. If you missed that. You need not watch another uh, anime ever again. You missed a great show last night. Wow. Powerful. Very, very powerful. Very, very powerful. And it was just completely bonkers. You have Joseph, who has been working as double agent man. And, you know, here we go, Double Agent Man. You're really going to get rid of the Black Lotus? And then he has a change of heart. And he calls up Officer Davis, who she's a little bit of a run-of-the-mill detective. So I I don't know how much she can actually protect the Black Lotus. It's more like the Black Lotus protecting her, if anything. He's like, yeah, protect the Black Lotus, blah, blah, blah. He's leaving. He's going on vacation. Because if he doesn't, he's going to be whacked. So it's just not good all around for anybody. That episode was five stars. Give that episode five stars. We went from, wow, this show is pretty much done. This show is pretty much going to be canceled. This show, what was that? In the ballroom in the last episode. Walking through the hall. It's like, okay, okay, American Idol. We're done with you. You know, bring out Randy Jackson, bring out Simon Call, bring him out. Come on. We we know Mariah Carey's going to have a little bit to say. You know, I was like, okay, I'm not with all the singing, like, turning to West Side Story and shit. Like, I couldn't get down with that. But, uh, no, this episode, whoo, all of a sudden the fucking katana's out, about to jump out of my chair. They always got the funny song um, in animes, but in this song, it's like a, a song you understand. Like everybody gets the, the lyrics and the the vocals to the to these songs they play on here. But what an episode! Episode eleven. There's only two episodes left, unless they're coming out with a second season, we which hasn't been confirmed. The underground, underground. Oh, those people. Yeah, they may have figured that out. Yep, yepers. They may have figured that out if there's a second season coming or not. But right now, we just have two more episodes to look forward to. That was a hell of an episode. I'm, I'm still feeling it. I'm still feeling it. You know, I woke up, and this is how I know it was a five-star episode, because that's all I thought about when I woke up. I didn't think about my Green Bay Packers losing a heartbreaker. Broke my damn heart. But then, you know, you kind of, you know, look, I'm a realist. I I see things a little bit ahead, and they either come true or I avoid them. And that's kind of my my foresight. That's a little bit of what I can tell you. And I had the foresight to kind of know how that was going to work out. Like, look, it's the playoffs. It's a 50-50. Every game's 50-50. You know, you could be the number one team. You could be the number six, seventeen. You know what I'm saying? It does, just doesn't matter because it's the playoffs at this point. Everybody is who they are. It's a 50-50 chance that your team's going to win. It's a 50-50 chance your team's going to mess it up. And we had that 50-50 of our team getting messed up. But this Black Lotus episode was so spectacular. 
so big that I forgot all about that. I don't even care. There's football on today. I'll probably watch it and enjoy it. There was fights on last night, too. I watched some fights. I enjoyed it. But you know when Toonami came on? All those worries go away. Okay? Every, all, put those worries behind. Now, all we're focusing on is the animation itself. We're not worried about any of the other stuff. And see, that's called compartmentalizing. You just focus on one thing. And that way, that thing turns out really good. And see, that's what the writers did with Black Lotus. They said, look, guys. I know that last episode pissed Preston off. And he got on his podcast and he was really mad. So now we got to give him something. Now we got to feed the goat. You know what I'm saying? Because he's going to come back. He's going to bite out of our hands. What's he going to get? Is he going to get a juicy apple? Is he going to get some of that 25 cent feed that they leave at the little fucking animal stand uh, down there at the Perry farm? You know what I mean? So what? what is he? What are we going to give him? See, and last night, he gave me a big juicy apple. And uh, wow, that was good. Very impressed. And then you got this new uh, replicant, this new Blade Runner, so to speak. What's she going to do? She sh- she showed up and took out like 10, 11 security guards. They didn't have a fucking chance. Then the one dude, he just working in the lab. He just, you know, kind of in there doing this thing all of a sudden wow she comes in there wow then she's got the katana wow sticks it in him and he hits the button to release the uh the, the blade runner black lotus before she gets killed so now we're gonna get the epic battle to start this next episode off i i don't know what's coming i don't know what's coming like in, like in my head i'm working it out i'm thinking joseph can't run away like, he at this point, if he runs away, no one will ever like that guy. So, then I don't think they'll do that to his character. Even though it's an animation, I still don't see that coming. I think he's going to fly back in, save Blade Runner from being killed, and then something, you know what I mean, will come of that to him. Something's going to happen to him. He's going to have to face some consequences because he didn't actually get rid of the the Blade Runner, blah, blah, blah. So that is kind of how I see that next episode going. But spectacular, marvelous episode. Great fighting scenes. Uh, good dialogue. And you almost, you know, you, you get a sense of, oh my gosh, this show's almost coming to an end. Is it? Is it really? Well, it's hard to say, folks. But I know that we're going to cut the break. And when I come back, we're going to be talking about the next episode on Toonami. And that was a a very good episode. Uh, They had a great lineup last night. I don't know if they made some last-minute changes or shuffled some last-minute things around, but it turned out to be a very, very good uh, session of Toonami. And I was very happy. I was a happy fan last night. I felt some good, I wouldn't even say nostalgia. I just felt a good vibe from what they put on. Like they didn't leave us with a bunch of crap. They gave us some really hard hitting uh shows, some good episodes that they, they they plucked all these from. But yes, Blade Runner Black Lotus, episode eleven, all the best memories. Five star episode. And when I come back, we're gonna talk about Assassination Classroom and episode twenty seven, Leader Time. So with the next episode, Assassination Classroom, Leader Time, episode 27. And this is a show that I had to do a little bit more research about because there's just a lot of weird things in this show. Um, and just try to understand, like, because they, they threw it on us, not at the beginning, but like after and like, you know, and they threw it at us in the second season here. So... On episode 27, you have, I guess, I, uh, I saw Guy, Yuma Isagi, uh, secretly working in the cafe. He gets busted out. He's not supposed to be working in the cafe. So, Koro Sensei is like, look, 
This cake is enough for me to turn a blind eye for violating the school regulations. Uh, they all say he's a good guy. But see, here come the five virtuosos. This little secular group, um, or the you know, known as the Big Five, they're from Class A. Now, Class A is top of their class, better than you, uh, and and they're talking down on uh, Yumo Asagi, and he's like, "Look, I'm poor. Come from poor family. I have to do this to make some extra cash." So. It's like one of those things. Now, they're like, okay, look, we get it. But we, for us to be quiet about this, you're going to have to come and play against us. Class E versus Class A in a game of Botashi, which is pole falling, um, basically. So, in this upcoming sports festival that they do at the school. So what ends up ensuing is the whole school basically turns into a battlefield. So they got Koro Sensei helping them strategize, um, you know, come up with these different plans. And, and that actually becomes a pretty prominent theme of this show is where they're strategizing because on both sides they are. Now, Class E comes up with their strategy, which is like more of a defensive strategy. We're going to sit back, wait for them to come in. And use our tentacle strategy and just drop on top of them. That type of thing. So that ends up kind of working to their advantage for the most part. Um, now, Asano uh, is like one of these kind of leaders of this class uh, A. He knocks uh, Isagi off. Uh, and the attacking class A members start to get to the pole then uh, Nagisia he leads another attack then it leaves only Terasaka and Takibayasha to hold down their pole and Kevin's group and then they're kind of like look Kevin's group can easily be overpowered but they can't do it unless Asana orders them and he's too distracted. So, Isogagi calls up their secret weapon, like, hey, we're losing. Uh, and they launch the Itona in the air. And it lands on top of the pole. And they start using their weight of that to bring it down. Now, the battle's flipped. Asano's losing. And the pole falls to the ground. Uh, and Class E gets a victory. So it ends with, like, a hoorah. But see, then some crazy some craziness happens like kind of threw threw you off after the game the chairman Gakuo Asano he berates his son like he's mad at his son he's so mad and then Kevin comes in and defends him from the other side like hey you know they they could have beat us we just were able to beat them in this competition and uh the chairman's like look I've never lost and then they have these four exchange students on their team that were kind of helping them a lot in this battle and uh he's like look he challenges them all to a fight and he just starts kicking their ass and then without like a mark on him without a mark on him uh he leaves him begging covered in blood and then asano uh his his son gakuo asano son asano is just watching in horror and uh Gakuo remembers a time on the first day of karate he had been beaten by his instructor, a little flashback. Uh, and Class E noticed is like, look, we won the victory, but the war's not over. Like, this is an ugly scene. Um, so, he's trying to figure out, he's trying to get in his son's head. Why are you not upset that you lost to Class E? And uh, he really can't wrap his head around that and and at the end the festival ends and you know I Isogagi uh, Yuma Isogagi really kind of like is is the mischief person like he's into mischief getting into mischief even though it doesn't seem like it but at the end 
he's a, he's attempting to bargain for like leftover bread at the festival to take back home. So like he's he's at the end of the day he's about his family and, and putting food on the table, and that you know I I appreciated. I thought was a fitting touch. Here's the person that gets you into the trouble, and then at the end he's doing something else that is kind of like an unspoken rule: bargaining for leftover bread. Um, so that was very interesting. But I have to say five stars on that episode. Like this show has been rocky um, to me. It's it's up and down. It's a lot of it's it's a lot of waves of emotion. And uh, if you didn't come in right at the beginning, you really don't understand who the heck um, Koro Sensei is. You just don't really understand him because he's been around, right? Like when I started researching this show, he's in a couple spinoffs, you know, about this show, and it it's just hard if you didn't see it from the beginning to get in with this show. So you just kind of have to take it for face value. Just appreciate what you can out of the episode and take what you can from it and carry that with you. But my favorite character out of that episode was Karma Yuma. He was the funniest character because they redid his dubbing with the English to make him sound Southern. Like he was from, uh, you know, a, a barbecue down South with a straw head on and lemonade in his hand. So... Uh, heads off to the writers for that episode. That was five stars. That's about as good as it can get for a show like that. I'm sure they have better episodes. But uh, from what I've seen, there hasn't been any that has been as good as this. With a with a great plot um, and a well and well carried out, you know, uh, action scenes. So I was very happy with this show. And it just goes to show you that if you give these shows a chance, they can be really good. Uh, so, we're going to go into the next show. And it starts off a little like this. Yoshimorido. Yode yori sorio. Yosayo. Yado yo. Yado yo. And then here comes the screen. Roll the, roll the people. Roll the footage. Made in Abyss. And that's exactly... There you go. There's the opening. That's about as good as a song I can do for you. And Made in Abyss. This second episode really kind of put the show in perspective. They called it uh, Resurrection Festival. Now, Rico is kind of the main, is like the main character here, is Rico. And she kind of finds out like, she has these glasses and when she wears her glasses she doesn't have headaches it's like like the mark of the abyss or something like if she takes those glasses off she gets headaches so Rico and Reg are trying to find out more about their past uh, but they're but they're trying to figure out who is Reg well Reg uh, being kind of the this uh, character that um, you don't, you don't really know, uh, where this, where this idea comes from of this character, but his character is pretty trippy because he's like a robot. He's like a cyborg. And then Rico, you know, is just wants to be the best cave, uh, raider that she can be. And literally is, is in a way out to find out like the mystery of her mom, like the mystery of where her mom went. So this is this is where there's something to look forward to in the show. But this show has some very dark themes and some themes that I'm not a fan of. I can honestly tell you that there's some some subtle scenes in this show. I'm not going to talk about them because they're inappropriate. And honestly, uh it was it was it was done in poor taste in my opinion. Um but you know, I'm not going to let that ruin the show because a lot of people work hard on this. But there, there are some some scenes um, that one in particular I really didn't like, and I, I I use the app TV Time, and I like to go through and, and leave a comment on something I really liked. And the comments on what I'm talking about are there um, on this episode with with some sick uh, behavior going on that I, I didn't like and put a bad taste in my mouth. But I didn't let that ruin the show. 
I still watched the show. I still wanted to see the outcome. Uh, I say four stars. We'll give it four stars because I was interested in the show. The story is still blossoming. You haven't really got deep in the abyss yet. Like They're scratching the surface of the abyss. But you know they're going down there. You know they're checking it out. And then at this point, Rico's going to check that abyss out because uh, they, they have nothing else to lose. Like if you see like what I'm talking about in their like home life where they're living and how chaotic and hectic and just disgusting it is, then you're going to be like, okay, I can see why they want to go in the abyss. Like this is a way better alternative than where they're at. So we're gearing up, we're like readied up for them to go into the abyss and then let's get on with it. You know, like let's get this little story out of the way. Their life is hard, their life is bad. Let's get that out of the way and let's get into the thick of it. So that's what we're gearing up for in this episode. Again, four stars. Like I'm not going to let um, the weird freakish thing in the show put me off i'm just saying you know it's it was just done in poor taste is all and uh four star episode your best character here is rico i know i saw i see uh 12 of people liked reg that's fair reg reg had some good parts in this show you kind of understand that he may have come from deep in the abyss and that <clears throat> he doesn't have the problems that rico has because he's got mechanical parts to him so there you go and uh cut the break and when i come back we're gonna be talking about uh a classic an oldie but goodie when tudami played us one piece last night and they gave us uh two stellar episodes of one piece and uh it doesn't get much better than that folks that is on the mount rushmore of anime you got Dragon Ball Z, Trigun, Cowboy Bebop, One Piece, and Yuasha. That's how I would do my Mount Rushmore. That's how I believe that it should be. So, with that being said, when I come back, we talk about one of those pieces of Preston's Mount Rushmore and One Piece. What a great episode for One Piece. Like, as a, as a fan of this show, and I've told people, this is a good anime. You know, I have people that will vouch for that. Hey, no, Preston said it's a good anime. You want to try to watch the dub if you can. You know what I mean? Because it's just easier to follow along with. But if not, it was not that bad subtitled. Um, obviously, you're not going to watch many episodes like that, I don't think. But it's not bad subtitled. So this episode, you're getting the dub. On Toonami, you didn't have to worry about following along with subs, subtitles or nothing. And they kind of labeled it like the return of One Piece. Like, they're bringing One Piece back into the fold. You know, sometimes two episodes, sometimes one episode. But they did a great two-part uh, episode for us with episode 517 um, and episode 518. Next, we'll talk about. But 517, this episode, rock solid. First appeared back in October 2nd, 2011. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? This is, you know, a little bit of vintage anime here. It's not like 90s anime, but then we're not looking for that. You know what I mean? We want a little fresher, a little newer, but not too old, not too new. This is a great fit for Toonami. A new chapter begins. The Straw Hat Crew reunites. And that is a great title for this episode. After two years of being separated the straw hats return to sabbati archipelago archipelago however i mean i do my best with that the crew members end up in various conflicts and scenarios uh nami and uso confront imposter straw the imposter straw hat crew these fake straw hat crew are going around killing people lopping people's head off for whatever reason uh 
just basking in the glory, basking in um, all of this notoriety that the Pirate King has. And uh, Luffy bumps into his own imposter. Pretty comical. They're all running the town, you know, scaring the townspeople. And here that here's a fake Luffy bumps into real Luffy. That causes him to fall over. And then, um, then kind of, it's like a, a standoff for a minute there. So two years have gone by since Luffy reclaimed his straw hat to renew his voyage. The beast on these island have been tamed by Luffy. So people here know Luffy. They know who he is. Now they see this fake Luffy. They think he's grown up. It's been, you know, they're not really knowing. So Zoro arrives here. Um, Nami's sitting at the bar and they're hosting the fake straw hat crew. And, uh, so she's kind of in there like, You're, you guys aren't the straw hats, you know what I mean? And she's like just listening to their conversation, listening to them talk. So eventually, fake Luffy, you know, he's trying to, you know, he's not really making a move on her. He's just being super aggressive with her and he, he's getting angry, trying to scare her. And uh, the fake Nami approaches her and says, hey, you have a bounty on her head. And it's funny because like all the fake straw hat people are like super out of shape. <laughs> like even the chick like fat <laughs> it's like it's like all the real straw hats are like in shape and like super deadly and like you don't want to mess with them so uh Usopp comes and uses his weapon on the fake straw hats Nami is kind of recognizing that and uh he's surprised you know by seeing these fake straw hats in here Nami uses her weapon that produces a thundercloud and uh, lightnings erupting as uh, they leave. And then Fake Love, he's all mad. He's all beside himself. He's like, go find her, kill her, basically, is what Fake Luffy says. So Robin is later kind of avoiding these mysterious people. Like, they're pursuing her. She's avoiding them. I mean, they even have fake fake Frankie in here fake pirate uh, fake sniper king um so they're looking to like set sail pretty soon here now here we go with the part where Luffy rolls in and runs into his doppelganger you know fake Luffy and fake Luffy's all pissed off he's all mad and uh the episode kind of ends like hey you know what I mean what are you talking about you, you, you know what I mean I didn't mean to bump into you you know what, what's the what's the big problem um, but the the thing is you get like this ruthless killing from fake Luffy like the, he's 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 just killing people randomly mercilessly killing people um, so that whole part of this show is just setting up for the next episode. So this episode 517 was to the point. It was direct. It was really a hell of an episode. And then it kind of abruptly ends. And that's the way I like this episode to end. Definitely five star episode. Got right to the point. Um, Gave you a good look at what was going on. Uh, as far as the story goes and where it was headed uh, now that two years have passed and we're looking ahead so yes I was very uh, happy with this episode then came the next episode episode 518 and this is a uh, really good episode this is probably one of my favorite episodes of One Piece where you got uh, name of this episode let me just put that out there for everybody so they're not confused Episode 518, A Hair Trigger, Luffy vs. Fake Luffy. Three Tongue, Damaro Black, the captain of the fake Straw Hat crew, impersonating Monkey D. Luffy to benefit from his reputation. Um, 
and this is really good because he's kind of putting on this image he's portraying that he is this uh ruthless killer and uh if you you know he's only looking to have people join him with with uh, the highest bounties they can find um and their differences are very very uh obvious like you have you know fake Luffy who fake Luffy's big and obese and uh doesn't have the same get up all the way like there's many differences in their get ups with the scars on their body too <clears throat> like all of that so he's he's kind of just looking to cash in on this reputation um and he's even got the whole squad with him of fakes like all these knockoffs um that are that are coming with him so they're in this uh Shaggy's ripoff bar um so Sanji comes <clears throat> and he's kind of like surprised like oh you know everybody's made it here but me and uh Rayleigh informs him that hey the thousand sunny's been totally fixed totally coded um Duval kind of narrates this part hey the straw hats were not there to protect him um and then Sanji kind of learns that all these crews have trained a lot and have gotten stronger so Chopper's elsewhere Chopper's like a main character in the show but he's elsewhere and they're kind of showing you glimpses of him eating cotton candy and following along. Some more fakes. A fake Zoro, a fake Robin, a fake Sanji. Um, and, he, and he's following along with those guys. And and they don't really get that yet. They don't really know who he is because they don't know Chopper. But see, Chopper knows them. But Chopper doesn't know that they're imposters. So, basically, fake Luffy is kind of going along with this this rouse he's kind of going along with fooling everyone and he's in the street and gets knocked over by the real luffy and he's trying to get him to like kneel apologize beg for your life blah 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 all this and and luffy's like okay you, you obviously don't know who i am so look i'm sorry dude go about your business i have somewhere to be in a hurry so he turns around and keeps going, knocks the guy over again. <laughs> and this time the dude's mad. All the, the the crowd is like, oh my gosh, kid, you're stupid. Oh my gosh, kid. Not knowing that he's Luffy. The, you know, like they can't tell. So uh, it, it's kind of funny because the way like it ends right there, you're kind of like, oh no, he's, he's setting himself up. You know, something's going to happen to him. Um. Uh, you kind of see at the end of the episode too there's a huge galleon ship a big big ship emerges out of the water it's cut in half everybody's like who the heck could have did that the real Zoro uh, on the ship did that actually and it's funny because the episode ends with Zoro getting on the wrong ship it's 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 just it's there's so many uh comical nuances in the show that you, ha- you don't want to take your eyes off the screen. Like, this is a good anime to pay attention to. Think of Inuasha and how they go from place to place, place to place, and they're doing different things, and there's a new villain, and there's new this, and there's new that. One Piece is a lot like that. It's broken up into sagas, which I love. I love a good saga. You're focused, you're usually focused on a main villain, and then a bunch of kind of people under him in a saga that's kind of how saga works you have one main guy in that saga until you get rid of him you don't start the next saga right that's kind of how this show has been so you're you're dealing with you know an an easy to follow along anime so basically the knockoff pirate king he tries to fire his flintlock uh pistol off and the bullet actually gets like frozen in time and monkey uh the real luffy he's he just completely dodges the bullet and uh there they all are laying there like stunned they couldn't do anything uh to hurt this kid or or do anything to you know uh deter 
this young pirate captain from reaching his destination. And like that part right there kind of like gets everybody in the town thinking like, hold on a second. You know what I mean? You're supposed to be the, you know, the real uh, Luffy. That didn't look like the real Luffy, you know. So they kind of spotted right there for being imposters. And uh, I, I just, you know, I enjoyed these two episodes. I got to say episode 517. I get five stars. This episode is one of my favorites. Uh, but I give it four stars. And the reason I do that is because of the flashbacks in this episode. They had quite a few flashbacks of episode 517. And uh, even the rock and roll part where it's wah. And they just had to rock a wah. Like even that, you know, so. I, I took it with a grain of salt, but definitely the, you can't have, you know, episode 518 without episode 517 because of them intermingling so much. So it, it was a, it was a good watch. It was a good sit through and watch. And I definitely recommend. There is really so much to talk about with Naruto Shippuden. I hate that I leave it off my Mount Rushmore anime. Don't think that because it's not on my Mount Rushmore that I'm... It's just no room for it. You know, there's just so many other animes that have hit me differently. That, you know, kind of get forgotten. And, and you know, Toonami did a good job of bringing Cowboy Bebop into the new year. You know, to kind of remind everybody. Like, hey, don't forget this is an anime they that put animes on the map but when we're talking about naruto shippuden and you're really focusing like this show had 500 episodes this was not a show that they just cooked up overnight like this is a show you know what i mean with like one season or two seasons man this is 500 episodes it is huge it is one massive story and yeah, if you don't start from the beginning, it's always going to be hard. But if you want to go ahead and start from the beginning of 500 episodes, hey, be my guest. Be my guest. I implore you to do that. But I could talk about the episode from last night, episode 371, uh, called Hole. And it was a great episode. It starts off hot. Literally, fire, fire war going on. Um, Naruto's tired, man, of ma- uh, managing kurama's chakra and and, uh kurama warns him about it obito he's confronting naruto he's talking down on his strategy um but naruto's like look when i have my my allies with me i'm stronger and when they're not with me i'm weaker um madara's growing stronger um obito's saying look the tentails they're they're beyond suppression as they unleash the Tinpachi. Um, Kashaki attempts to stop them um, with his kam- Kamuai before he's intercepted by his former teammate. And the two go after to a different dimension. Um, and the former puts his trust in Naruto. The Tin Tails technique like causes massive destruction, like destroys the land they're fighting on. And the shinobi survive. Like Naruto and the shinobi survive. And uh, Madara's shocked. Um, the young Jichiriki, he's worn out. He's tired. He left the Nine Tails Chakra mode, um, causing the cloak of Alliance to fade. Um, the Ten Tails, they're sensing this. Um, and Obito has what's called a lightning cutter aimed at him. At uh, Kashaki, uh, after Kashaki gets the uh, Kakashi gets the upper hand, uh, Obito has his lightning cutter, he's ready to slice him up. And see, Kakashi kind of has a chance to finish him, but he hesitates. He's trying to like talk to him, like, dude, you know, don't do it this way, it doesn't have to be this way. Um, and then that's kind of like a, a, a really late later part in the show. Um, but what they kind of don't know is that behind the scenes, the Ten Tails 
Alliance, they are preparing this big tailed beast ball. Um, much to the horror of the actual Alliance, you know, the Ten Tails, their clan, um, they are not stopping. They, they can, you know, it kind of is true that they can't be suppressed yet. So this episode whole, um, five stars, five stars, because you're hit right away with just a wave of intensity and the heat is, is burning up everything. And you have Naruto standing there, like trying to do this balancing act of handling his chakra while handling someone else's while protecting his people so like there's so much going on right there all these side stories that i gave you 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 don't really know about those that's why i brought them up because you really don't know about those until you know looking back in hindsight like oh okay so that was this and this was that that's kind of how it ended up being and then this is like these are great two-part episodes that we had from one piece to uh naruto because both of them went together in one piece and both of these will go together in uh, naruto shippuden as you will see so in this episode uh, the last one of shippuden they play for us uh, something to fill the hole episode 372 another wonderful episode five stars and this is like the beginning of the end for ten tails but the beginning, or like a renewed Team 7 is a good way to put it. So, let's kind of like shape this for you. So, the Tintails has their Beast Ball. They're firing it. Um, Shikamaru, with the help of Eno's technique, they have their plan to like create this barrier and stop this Beast Ball and change the tra- trajectory. But it comes through anyways. Then... Uh, as soon as Minato arrives, ball disappears. And uh, Minato's like, look, I sent that ball to the sea. Like, I teleported that shit, son. You didn't know I could do that. And I just did that. And that was pretty cool. Um, so then the other Hokage, the other parts of the, the, the members of this crew, they were they arrive and they're confronted by Madara. But he was told to wait by Hiroshima since he and the other Hokage kind of had to stop the Ten Tails. So it was kind of like they're not ready for this part yet. So they had their barrier. Barrier got broken. Um, and they're like, Ten Tails are like protecting themselves with their barrier. And uh, Hashirama makes several Tori to pin it down. Then Sasuke, Jugo arrive. Um, and to the shock of Kanoa 11, he's telling them, you know, we're going to protect the village. Um, reuniting Team 7, Naruto, and Naruto. And Sasuke and Sakura prepare themselves. They're preparing themselves for this um, against the Tentails. So you got that going on. And then kind of a, in, a, in a spinoff way, in another dimension, Obito is like, trying to cut down Kashaki with his words and Kashaki kind of has a good line and kind of just says that hey you you know people that lost feelings for his comrades are much worse than trash and he believes that his his comrades Kashaki believes his own people his people that he rolls with are going to fill the hole inside his heart and that is the exactly what it is something to fill the hole there you go you know what i mean so the hole is in kakashi and it's an emptiness he feels inside but he believes that being around his friends his his allies his comrades are you know in this allied shinobi force are going to like rejuvenate his spirit rekindle that old fire inside of him so that is uh, a very very important episode in, in the Shippuden series and like these two go hand in hand you can't have one without the other so excellent both these episodes get, get high praise from me um, five stars all the way around and uh, that only leaves us with 
Cowboy Bebop, and then I have something special for you today. I have something pretty cool for everybody. So yeah, then we'll move on uh, right now to Cowboy Bebop, talk about this episode. They only gave us one. Only had time for one for us. Um, But it was a really good one. Episode 11, Toys in the Attic. A really uh, light-hearted episode. This is a light-hearted episode of Bebop. So again, a good episode of Cowboy Bebop. Uh, this show really takes shape in this episode. And um, if it hasn't before, it really does here. And this episode is dealing with a creature on the ship. And there's a creature on this ship that's causing problems that everybody's believing this creature is killing everybody off. And uh, there's some lessons in here. There's some lessons to be learned in this show. And we'll talk about those too. Um, because it makes sense to, to do that here. Because we won't always be talking about Cowboy Bebop. It's always there, but it doesn't mean we're always talking about it. So the creature gets on the ship. Um, the creature's kind of zooming around. And you kind of see uh, Jet walking around. And the creature's kind of creeping around. And he's just like, nah, he's not he's not paying attention to it. He doesn't really see it. doesn't really understand any of that. He's just worried about, you know, getting a blanket because he's cold. Now... He, you know, Jack is like, wakes up and, and later on, he's like, oh, I got this bite on my neck. And, uh, Faye walks away saying, you know, you're, you got bit by a rat. Uh, and he's saying, no, nah, this isn't a rat bite, you know? And, uh, he's like, you know, it happened near the fridge. And then Spike's like, uh, Jet, Jet gets bit and, they, and Spite's like dude I don't remember a fridge being there and Jet's you know he's kind of like whatever and dismisses it and Jet leaves so they're in the main room looking for medicine for that bite mark and uh, you know then he uh, Spike holds out a dead lizard and he's like look smash this boil this drink it your wound's gone uh and then he's like, well, is there another option? He holds up a, uh, a scorpion. And he's like, okay, I'll do the lizard. So he gives him the medicine. He's taking the medicine. It t- smells terrible. It's nasty. And uh, and he's mad he has to drink it, ultimately. He drinks it. He passes out. Um, and the, the mark is very visible on the back of his neck. And then uh, he's put on the couch. And then Spike's kind of figuring out what happened to him. And it's like, oh, there's a poison in his body. Um, and they're, they're comparing it and the computer to different uh, poisons and everything like that. So the creature's crawling through these vents. The creature's still active. Um, so the creature kind of... Is creeping around, and then you get Faye. She's like, "Oh, you know, I'm taking a bath," and she's kind of exposed at that point to the to the creature. Um, it's kind of like melodramatic at that point. Like, it kind of you know slows down a little bit, um, and they're kind of thinking like, "Okay." You know what I mean? We, we're we're trying to fix uh, Jet here. We're trying to get him back to health. Um, then they notice on Faye's leg that that bite mark is the same one that's on Jet's neck. So uh, Ed and Ian are they're exploring the ship now. So now what's kind of happening is. Spike is behind looking for them and uh, Spike's got a hat on his heat vision goggles Um, he's still kind of scoping everything out where this monster is where this creature is Um, and then uh, he's able to get in in just the nick of time before he gets bit um 
He finds the goggles Ed was wearing, and he assumes the creature got her as well. Spike creeps down the hall. You know, a little bit creepy at this point. Um, Spike opens a fridge. Kind of had this lobster back there. A certain type of lobster restored from one of these planets. Um, He pushes the fridge basically out of the airlock, thinking that's where the problem's coming from. The creature attacks him. Uh, bites him on the arm but then the creature's out it's in space and then the fridge is gone uh, and then later on Ed's sleeping he wakes up after being you know spared a bite from the monster the entire time and then the creature's kind of there and uh, you know uh, the creature's grabbed um and it's a, it's kind of weird because she's like, oh, this creature, you know, is like pudding and eats it and goes back to bed. Then uh, it's very, very just uh, a, a wild episode, but it's kind of like very domestic. It's all taking place on the ship, right? Like everything happened on the ship. It wasn't expanding off the ship. So they kind of are content with the poison passing out of the system. And... Uh, it kind of ends with the crew in a deep slumber until the bebop is on Mars. But yes, I have to absolutely say I love the episode and I love Cowboy Bebop. So, I mean, I like, I like all the episodes, some more than others, but this was a five star episode. You don't really see anybody get healed from the poison. Like they're just content with it passing in their systems, like food poisoning, you know, it's only so much you could do for someone with that. So, that was very interesting and then kind of some of the lessons to be learned here some of the things they actually say in the show some of the lines they actually have and one i think is very important for everybody and that's lesson one from jet jet black humans were meant to work and sweat to earn a living those that try to get rich quick or live at the expense of others all get divine retribution somewhere along the line that's the lesson unfortunately we quickly forget the lessons we've learned and then we have to learn them all over again. That was, that was great. That's, how many people do you know now? Frown on work, frown on sweating, frown on earning a living. They just want to get rich quick and you're, you quickly find out that there's no such thing. Lesson two uh, from Faye Valentine, uh, the, the sweetheart Faye. Survival of the fittest is the law is the laws of nature. We deceive or we are deceived. Thus we flourish or perish. Nothing good ever happened to me when I trusted others. That is the lesson. It's, I mean, hey, oh, there's there's elements of that that are very true. Lesson three. Lesson lesson. If you see a stranger, follow him. Edward. Now that's just funny. Lesson four. This is the last lesson from Spike Spiegel. Who's really whose fault it was they all got sick. He didn't throw the food out. And this kind of is his line here. And what was the real lesson? Don't leave things in the fridge. Don't leave things in the fridge. It's expired. Get rid of it. You get botulism. So. Excellent. Excellent episode. Very happy with that one. And like I said, I have something special for everybody. Um, I don't know if anybody else watches 1883. If not, that's your that's your cross to bear. I mean, I'm sorry for you. You know, I have sympathy for you. I'll pray for you. Um, but that eight, this show 1883. If you haven't seen it, you're gonna want to you're gonna want to get Paramount Plus and watch it because uh, we're on episode five, and that's exactly what I want to bring to you. Um, and try to wrap this up in the hour here. And it might be hard to do that and wrap it up in the hour, but I'll do my best. So 1883, season one, episode five. And again, I've, I've recapped season one and two for you. I've recapped season three and four uh, with you. And now we're doing episode five. We're going to hook it on to the tsunami recap. 
uh, because I just feel like it's going to flow. So you have uh, probably actress of the year in Isabel Isabel May, um, who plays Elsa Dutton on the show. Probably actress of the year, and they're already they already have Taylor Sheridan up for uh, like the Writers Guild Awards. They already have him nominated for that, and it's January. That's how good this show is. Like, we're five episodes in. He's already being nominated for awards. That's how great the script is in this show. So you have this this love story blooming. And they do a good job of not making that the whole show. Um, they, they give you the nitty gritty on this trail. So they cross the river. And everybody's still a little bit burned up about losing food and, and people dying in the river that they crossed. But then you have, you know, uh, the, the Pinkerton agents, the detectives, Shay, Brennan, and, and Thomas, kind of like, hey, you know, and Shay really is the one that tells uh, Joseph, the, the kind of the, supposed to be the leader of these immigrants that are traveling on the Oregon Trail. And he's all mad saying, you know, we put all our wagon and, you know, you know, put all our food in one wagon. And Shay is kind of telling them, like, you guys are stupid enough to do that. Then, you know, you're stupid enough to starve, basically. So that kind of went with it. Now, they're not going to watch them starve, right? They're, they're going to pitch in with some of their rations. Actually, they're already Thomas was already on top of that. Um, but something's happening where these people should have more food than they have. And what's happening is stealing. There's people stealing. So they have to out those people. They have to get them off the wagon train. You're not going to, no one's going to make it if people are stealing food. So they pretty much find the guy that's stealing and the two kind of have it out. You know, this was big heavy set guy and he's kind of fighting, wrestling with Joseph and Joseph's not no punk. He ain't giving up. He's getting his ass kicked, but he ain't giving up. And, uh, then basically Shay's like, okay, that's what I wanted to see. Now, I just wanted to see you fight for this. I want to see you fight for your people. Show them that you're a leader. So then he kind of lets the guy know, like, hey. And they kind of give him some money. They kind of cut him, you know, off on, on a couple things and say, look, we're not leaving you with nothing. But this is as far as you come with us. And if we see you again, that's it for you, buddy. And they mean it. You know what I mean? Like, he, you better not be showing your face around on that trail you know better not see you going going uh west and they don't really have a trading post to go to there's no stores where they're at they're just in a big big open field camping waiting for the next day where they can start moving again but see there's bandits on their tail like bandits are pretty prominent on the oregon trail they would you know what i mean pick on people that couldn't defend themselves people that couldn't fight off um them and everything like that so you get a really good um scene where this guy that was stealing that was robbing people of food and and taking it for his family that the bandits don't care they they don't care who you are they don't care where you're from they're just going to kill you and take what they want and that's what they do they they slice this dude's neck they throw him into the dirt they shoot up his whole family and all their wagons. They take everything they got. And now they're like, okay, well, let's follow, you know what I mean, where the trail was going. So they follow the trail. Not going to be hard to tell. Um, so they follow the trail. And basically, the fire didn't get put out. So they can see that from where they're at. So so uh, all of these people on the trail kind of notice that. Like, hey, there's trouble here. So they kind of ride back with a few of them like, hey, we got bandits. The only the only reason they wouldn't put out their fires because, you know, they were killed or something happened to them. So they ride back while they're riding back. The bandits are plotting to kind of come up on the on the wagon train behind the wagon train and kind of start doing damage. But see, they're kind of cut off in the nick of time, right? Like here they come in. Joseph's actually able to hold them off with with his wife and um, like they get blood on their hands, you know, and, and they're beside themselves. But they had, you have no choice at that point. Kill or be killed. So 
With that being said, they ride back in. And remember, Isabel May has this love story going on with a cowboy named Ennis, who's actually a very good actor. Can't tell he's acting. That's always a good actor. Um, you, you know, he's just really good for the role he's in. And uh, she's got this love story building, and they're they're planning on getting married because her dad, James, uh, James Dunning, he's not liking this dude too much kind of creep up on his daughter you know because the guy kind of went around him back in those days you asked the father for permission and it kind of went around him so he kind of roughed that dude up a little bit you know what i mean and then the dude was kind of like if you don't let me have your daughter's hand i'll take it you know what i mean like i i want her and then when he's when he could sense that he was kind of like all right he eased up on him and he's like you know hey she's gonna run you ragged she's gonna drive you crazy but he doesn't care. He's just in love. And uh, he's really in love. So that was a very touching part. And then kind of the anguish ensues where Ennis tells Isabel May, like, hey, get your pistol ready. You know what I mean? For the bandits, if they come around here, we got to be ready because everybody's got to be able to shoot at this point. So, yeah, they come in there and uh, they're they're stopping you know, uh, they sort of like run off from the main characters and end up into the bulk of the, the, the other, the, you know, kind of like the extras and stuff, but also, um, don't forget that Margaret, Isabel's mom and, and James wife, Faith Hill, uh, she is kind of leading this charge of people like, Hey, shoot fire. You know what I mean? Get these bandits. You know what I mean? They're trying to get these bandits before they get got. And uh, here comes James Ennis. And it's literally the last bandit they have to kill. And the bandit shoots him. He shoots the bandit. They kill each other. And, um, well, I shouldn't say they kill each other. He gets killed. The other guy just falls off the horse. So then they kind of arrest this dude. Like, okay, you know, put the cuffs on him or whatever. Like, really not going to be able to do much way out here they probably have to take him with you know what i mean so isabel may just like took law in her own hands and just kills this dude because she just this is the guy that killed her uh husband to be and that is a very emotional part of the show um and this is all all building up you know what i mean to reaching the that's the final destination here and it was just so well written, so well thought out that I don't see how anybody has liked this show right now. This is the best show airing on television, uh, without a doubt, without a doubt. And uh, I absolutely loved the show. It was uh, a roller coaster of emotions. Um, I love how the fans you know, have come out and been like, this is not, uh, just another Western. This is as real as it gets. This is as real as it gets, you know, as far as a a television show, being able to show you what that was like, there's no other show like this. Yellowstone. Nope. 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 Not, not like this. This show is, it speaks differently. It speaks differently and there's nothing else like it. Um, very very uh emotional like i mean this show is just full of emotions in the episode episode five the fangs of freedom kind of at the end you know isabel may they give her the the narration part and she's kind of just explaining it like you know freedom doesn't come without without fangs like no one got their freedom you know back then without you know feeling the bite of uh of agony of of just complete despair and then it's kind of like the end where she lays there with him he's dead and she kind of lays there next to him because she loved this man you know she wanted to become you know a woman on the on the trail which her mom was you know like i envy you for trying to you know doing your best to become this woman on this trail you know and she's making mistakes 
but she's also learning from them and she's also found something that is not easy to find in true love and uh it's ripped from her taken right from her so she's felt the fangs of freedom her freedom on the trail and there's, there's no freer time there's no freer feeling than out on this trail where the law was in your own hands there was no sheriff coming to save you there's no townspeople there you know to report on this there's nobody it's the middle of nowhere and you're going to nowhere but when you get there there will be laws there will be rules and her mom was schooling her on that stuff and she was kind of taking it in like okay this is as free as I'll be but see now we get to see what her character becomes after this does she become cold hard not to does she take it in stride that'd be even more difficult so it'll be interesting in a week when we see episode 6 roll out but bravo bravo 5 stars um, you know I gotta say my favorite character in that episode was Ennis even though Isabel made with that performance was absolutely stellar like wow but Ennis you know the way he went out the way he was a part of the show that was very inspirational um, that someone would take a role like that too knowing that eventually you're going to be written off but uh, to be able to give the performance that he did knowing that that's good that's really good work and uh, I'm a fan of that man's work but I'm a fan of uh, Taylor Sheridan's writing as well this is the best written show the best show airing right now so I encourage you to watch 1883 written and directed by Taylor Sheridan it's a, it's a beautiful show ladies and gentlemen we have reached the end of Preston Super Show for today and Dave, it's been fun it's been a wild ride with you it's been enjoyable and I'm just happy to be able to talk about these shows with you and share what I felt and, and, and sort of what I loved and hated from these shows so just thank you thank you so much for staying with me this far um, just like the hands of time, I'm turning it over to you. Good night, everyone. <laughs>